Well, what's up, Central? Hope you're all doing well. Thank you so much for taking some time to connect with us today. If you have a Bible, Acts 16 is where we're going to start. We just finished a series called Growing Together. We spent the last five weeks talking about how to grow in our relationship with Jesus and with each other. Um, Today and next week are standalone messages. Then in two weeks, the weekend of August 1st, can can you believe it's almost August? Um, In two weeks, uh, we're going to start a brand new series called Anchors. And we're going to be talking about um, what's holding us back or what's holding us down in our relationship with Jesus. Today, though, um, this one's all by itself. And today, we're going to be talking about four myths that we buy into. Um, Four false ideas, if you will, that we believe about God. And these four things that I'm going to share with you, these are things that I've seen over the years that if we, if we really buy into these things, if we really believe these things, sooner or later we'll give up and we'll just walk away. We'll just tell ourselves that, hey, this whole Christianity thing, this whole following God thing, this whole, this whole connecting with Jesus thing, it's just not worth it. Like we'll give up on ourselves and we'll give up on God. And so four things and we're going to dive right in. Number one. Lie number one, following Jesus will always be easy. You ever heard that? Following Jesus will always, if you just follow Jesus, everything's going to be easy. If you just follow Jesus, everything will be fine. That's a lie. Now, everybody here, everybody watching, everybody in this room knows people who make things just look easy, right? I mean, you know people that whatever they do, it just looks easy. I know people that make hitting a golf ball look easy. (laughs) It is not easy. For me, not easy. I know people that make dunking a basketball look easy. Newsflash, (laughs) I never dunked a basketball. I have like jumping off of somebody's back when they've made a table and and doing that and barely got up there, but I've never been able to like on a full height basket, like I've never been able to do it. But I know people who make it look easy. You know people who make like cooking look easy, right? Like they go into the kitchen, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. They never follow a recipe. They just kind of throw stuff together and it comes out of the oven looking beautiful. Like they just make it look easy. We know people who make lots of things look easy. And a lot of people, if we're not careful and we just look at them, a lot of people make Christianity look easy. But here's what I've discovered about people who make Christianity look easy. They only show you their highlight reels, right? They never show you their bloopers. And the bloopers far outweigh the highlight reel, doesn't it? Listen, don't miss this. Following Jesus is always the right thing to do. It's not always the easy thing to do. Following Jesus is always, every time, always the right thing to do. It's not always the easy thing to do. We're going to see this in Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at a story about the Apostle Paul. Now, if anybody didn't have it easy, it was Paul, the Apostle Paul. He went through some tough stuff. We're going to pick up in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Persia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's huge. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. That's huge. Remember that, having been kept by the Holy Spirit having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Paul is, let's say say Paul is right here, all right? Paul Paul is here. Paul has the opportunity to go here and preach. Like, this is the next step for him. 
Like this is the easiest step. This is the most logical step for Paul to go from here to here. But the Holy Spirit tells him, "Uh uh-uh, no. Now, I imagine that Paul is probably trying to figure this out. Paul's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm doing all of this stuff, and I'm preaching, and good things are happening, and, and, and I'm right here, and, and I'll just go over here. But the Holy Spirit shows up and says, no. And, and then the next verse says this, but they came to the border of Mycenae. They, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus, don't miss this, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So once again, Paul is trying to go here, and, and, and God says, no. Paul tries to go over here, and and, and God says, no, this is an easy step. This is a simple thing for Paul and his companions to do. This is like the next right thing. But God keeps saying, nope, not here. If I'm Paul, I'm getting incredibly frustrated because I'm trying to do what I think is the right thing. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit both times, which is huge, all right, the, the Holy Spirit, both times, again, remember that, we're coming back to that, but the Holy Spirit says no. Look at this. So they passed by Mycenae and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, This is huge because Macedonia was a long way away. Macedonia wasn't like the next town over. It wasn't like Paul is here and I can go right over here and and I can preach. It wasn't like they could jump on a plane and fly for like an hour and get there. Macedonia was going to require them to go from here to get on a boat and sail for a long time to it. Macedonia was not an easy next step. It was going to take a long time. It was going to take an investment of money. It was going to take an investment of time for them to get from where they were to Macedonia. Eventually, they were going to get there, all right? But it was going to be a very, very, very hard journey. And listen, don't miss this. For Paul and his companions in this context, this wasn't the easy thing to do. But it was the right thing to do. The reason I bring this up is because there are some people who really do struggle following Jesus. And we've been told by people, if you're struggling in your walk with Jesus, you're doing it wrong. I would say, if you're struggling in your walk with Jesus, you're probably making progress. Because following Jesus is always the right thing, but it's not always the easy thing. Which leads to the second false idea. Number two is this. Anytime I face resistance, it has to be the devil. You've heard this before? Resistance is always from the devil. Like automatically, when bad things happen to us, we just take it right to the devil, right? People's minds go to really bad places really fast. You get a flat tire, it's the devil. You must have done something way bad. Your dog runs off, it's the devil. You know what I'm talking about? Devil's fighting me. You you, you ever said that? You ever felt that way? Man, devil's fighting me, devil's fighting me. Let's think about Paul for a minute. I told you we were going to come back to this. Paul. The very first place that he tried to go, who resisted him and told him no? Who was it? Anybody? It was the Holy Spirit, right? It wasn't the devil. Don't miss this. It wasn't the devil that told Paul no. It was the Holy Spirit. The second place that Paul tried to go, who resisted him? Once again, who resisted him? This is not a trick question. Who resisted Paul? 
It, it was the Holy Spirit, right? It wasn't the devil. It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, not the devil, kept telling Paul, no. Paul learned the principle in this story that, that I'm learning in my life, and I'm sure many of you are learning in your life as well. Rejection simply means a new direction. Oftentimes, God's no is redirection, not rejection. Seriously, most of the time, God's no is redirection, not rejection. Rejection isn't always a no. Rejection often simply means a new direction. And so, so, so maybe, maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and the reason, let's say, let's say the reason the, the relationship didn't work out is not because the devil broke you up, it's because God had something better planned for you. Maybe the reason the job fell through wasn't because the devil didn't want you to have that job. It's because God had a better job somewhere down the line. Maybe the reason the situation you prayed about didn't work out is because God had something better. Listen, when we face resistance in life, it isn't always the devil. We give the devil way too much credit for the work in our lives when in reality, looking back, it's God who deserves all the credit and all the glory. So Paul, he goes to Macedonia, and look at this, verse 11. From Troas, we set out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went to, Nap we went to Naples, and that's not what it says. We went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Now watch this. On a Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. Now, let me explain this. A dealer in purple cloth meant that this woman was rich. To be able to buy purple cloth back in Bible times meant that you had some money. If you were a dealer of purple cloth, you had like a lot of money. This would be really good for Paul and his companions because she's going to be able to kind of support Paul's ministry. She's going to take care of them. We're, we're going to see that in a second. Look at this. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So, so don't miss this. this. This is huge. She worshiped God, but she wasn't a Christian, which is a lot of people that we probably know. They know about God, but they don't actually have a relationship with Jesus, which is what really brings about change in our lives, right? Like, like a lot of people know about God. They have a lot of information about God, but they're not changing because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. She hears Paul's message. Paul's doing what? Paul's preaching the gospel, the, the gospel message, the saving message of Jesus Christ. God opens her heart because that's how it works. God opens her heart to receive it. She receives it. She gets saved. And then look at this. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. And so at this point, at this point, things are going great for Paul. Because when we start out, when he started out, remember we said at the beginning that being a Christian isn't always the easy thing, but it's the right thing. Like, like Paul's here, but he's trying to go here. Nope. Paul's here, and, and he's trying to go over here. Nope. 
Paul gets a vision in the middle of the night. Come to Macedonia. So he goes to Macedonia. He goes down by the river. There's the rich chick Lydia. She gets saved. She says, come to my house. Everything is coming up roses for the apostle Paul. This is where we come up with the third false idea. Number three, the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will. The safest place for you and me to be is in the middle of God's will. I'll I'll tell you that being in the middle of God's will is a great place. It's a flipping awesome place, but it is not a safe place. See, we're obsessed with safety in America. We're obsessed with it. I mean, I, I grew up in an era where the car seat was my dad's hand. Anybody have that? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Driving, like, that, like that's it, right? Today, we are so concerned about safety. Like if we're told to do something that'll keep us safe, we hardly even question it. We just mask up and do it. Anyway, I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, another way to talk about this myth is if you always do the right thing, good things will happen to you. You ever heard that, right? You ever heard that? If you always do the right thing, good things will happen to you. Not true. And because of those thoughts, because of the safest place to be in is in the middle of God's will, and if you do the right things, good things will happen to you, we fall into the idea if you always do what's right, you'll get rewarded. Because the safest place to be in life is in the middle of God's will. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus in the middle of God's will at all times, yes or no? Yes, yes. And what happened to Jesus? He wound up on the cross. How in the world did we ever get that the central theme of Christianity is safety? How? We see this happen to Paul. Watch this, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Now let's stop and let's talk about this. They're going to a place of prayer and they meet a demon-possessed woman caught up in human trafficking. Can we all agree that this is a bad situation, yes or no? Yes! And then, like this is where it gets a little bit comical. Look at this. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Like that's huge, all right? She's not just saying She's not whispering, like she's shouting. Look what she's shouting. These men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Stop. (laughs) Have you ever been around a person that got on your last flipping nerve? You don't have to point in this room. Don't, Don't point, don't point. But have you ever been around somebody? They just got on your last nerve. And you you got up and you walked away from them? Or you got up and you went to another room to get away from that person? Like, 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 have you ever done that? Now, can you imagine, like, if you're Paul and you're walking around and this, this woman is following you and she's yelling you and she's getting on your nerve. And, and, and I know some of you are looking at this and you're saying, well, I don't get it, man. She's yelling out like these are servants of the most high God who are telling you the ways to be safe. She's telling the truth. Actually, if you kind of study the context of this passage, she's mocking them. She's, she's making fun of them. And so, and so she's, she's walking around 
with Paul, and she's shouting everywhere he goes. He can't get up. He can't give a, get away. Paul goes to McDonald's, right? And she walks in right behind him. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. He goes to Walmart to try to get away. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Like, he can't go anywhere without this chick following him around and mocking him and making fun of him. This woman is following him everywhere he goes. He just cannot get away. And then Paul reaches that, I've had enough moment. You ever had one of those? I just, oh, I just, I've had it. And we see this happen in verse 18. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Now, here's a legit question. Why didn't Paul do that on the first day? I don't know. Like, I, don't, I wish I knew. I'd have done it the very first time that chick made fun of me, wouldn't you? Like, like if I had that kind of power, I'd just turn around and throw it on her right there. In the name of Jesus, bam! And just like, just kept on moving. Maybe, maybe that's why I don't have that. But I don't, I don't understand why I didn't do it right away. Anyway, verse 19. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Now, let's stop and let's talk about this. Let me, let me ask you this question. Did Paul do something good here or did Paul do something bad? He, he did something good, right? He set a woman free from demon possession. Going to go ahead and chalk that up as good. He, he set a woman free from human trafficking. All right, so two good things right there that he did. Can, can we all agree, yes or no, that Paul did something good. Yes. And so when he gets, think about this, when he gets dragged to the marketplace to face the authorities, he's probably like, no big deal. It don't matter. What I did for that lady was good. I helped her out. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. Verse 20, look at this. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Hold up, hold up. That's not what they did. These guys aren't really telling the truth. Like, like they, they didn't say, hey, listen, we had a slave girl, and she was making us a lot of money, and he cast demons out of her. They, they didn't do that. They lied about Paul and Silas. But, but once again, right here, if you're Paul and Silas, you're not worried because they lied about you, right? You're there because God wants you to be there, right? Like God showed up in the middle of the night and said, hey, come to Macedonia. And, and, and so they're inside of the will of God. You're doing what God wants you to do, right? So everything's going to turn out okay. There's a great, big, huge, pretty bow at the end of this story, right? <laughs> Wrong. Verse 22, look at this. The crowd joined into the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them, don't miss this, ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Paul and Silas, don't, don't miss this. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Like they can't even be beaten with their clothes on. They're in front of everybody, stripped and beaten. Can we all agree that this is a bit extreme for what Paul and Silas did? They did something good. And now they're going to be stripped and beaten? Like that's what's happening in this story. Every one of us would agree this is bad. But was Paul, let, let me ask you this. Was Paul in the middle of the will of God, yes or no? Yes, 
Yes, he was exactly where God told him to be, doing exactly what God told him to do, and now he's literally going to get beat down. Verse 23, look at this. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. (laughs) Hold up. Think about Paul. Think about where Paul's at at the end of this day. Paul probably woke up that morning expecting things to go well, expecting things to go normal. They had just preached the day before, and people got saved. Heck, he's staying in the rich lady's house, so things are probably going to be just like they were yesterday. But now he's stripped, he's beaten, and he's thrown in jail. Can we all agree this is a bad day? Like, I don't know if those three things have ever happened to you in a single day or not. Not me. This, for me, would be like worst day ever. I'm just saying this is a bad day. And then look at this. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul, Paul, the apostle Paul is following Jesus and all hell broke loose in his life. Every one of us, every single one of us, whether you're sitting in this room or watching online, every one of us knows what that's like. You see, if we believe that the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will, then when all hell breaks loose, we'll convince ourselves that either God's not worth it or Jesus isn't who he says he is or the Christian life just isn't worth it and we'll walk away. Listen, 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 listen. Every single one of us, every one of us, if we're in the will of God, every one of us is gonna go through a stormy season. It's not if it happens, it's when it happens. And when it does... What's our response going to be? Which leads to the last false idea that we'll talk about today. And and, and listen, this is one of the biggest ones that we've got to wrap our minds around, especially in the Christian community. Number four is this. Because I'm wounded, I'm worthless. Because I'm wounded, I'm worthless. Now again, everybody in this room, everybody watching, everybody knows what it's like to be wounded. Some of us have been wounded by others. They've they've said something to us. They've done something to us. It might have been yesterday. It might have been last week. It might have been 15 years ago. But everybody that you lock eyes with is carrying a wound, most likely given to them directly or indirectly by another person. All of us, all of us, all of us have been wounded by other people. And most of us, if we would be honest, we carry around some self-inflicted wounds as well, don't we? Like me, I'm in both categories. I, I've, been, I've been wounded by other people, and I've got some serious self-inflicted wounds. A lot of times, though, and this is dangerous, a lot of times is we just want to focus on the wounds from other people. We don't want to focus on our self-inflicted wounds when actually the self-inflicted wounds many times are the most painful wounds. That's another message for another time. We'll, we'll get there at some point, I promise. But, but those are actually the ones that hurt the most. The problem is, what, what we need to see today, the problem is when we get wounded, a lot of times we'll say, I, I've been wounded, therefore I'm worthless. I've been wounded, and therefore I'm worthless. There are actually some people that would tell you, oh, you've been wounded? That means that you're worthless. Like, like people say, because of your situation, you've had this breakdown in your life, so you can never expect a breakthrough in your life. And that's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We see Paul, like, like listen, if I'm Paul, 
if I'm Paul in this situation, like I am ticked off. Wouldn't you be? Like I'm mad at God. Hey God, I did what you said. You said don't go here, I didn't go there. You said don't go there, I didn't go there. Then you woke me up in the middle of the night, told me to go to Macedonia. I went to Macedonia. That journey was hard. I get there, I go down by the river. There's a lady there, had some purple cloth, took me into her home. And then this demon-possessed girl came and followed me everywhere. Couldn't even go to McDonald's and Walmart. And so I got kind of rid of that. Next thing I know, they take off all my clothes, beat me and throw me into prison. God, I'm a little upset with you right now. Like, he had a case to do that, right? Like, he could have said that. But that's not what we see Paul do. Verse 25, look at this. Look at this. This is huge. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, this takes a solid relationship with the Lord. I'm just going to go ahead and put all my cards on the table and say, I'm not sure that I'm mature enough that I would be singing and praying. I, I, I just, like, I'd probably been saying some stuff, but it probably would not have been prayer and hymns. It would probably have been anger and frustration and revenge or whatever. But, but don't miss this. Paul, Paul was so confident in his calling that he refused to let criticism crush the calling out of his life. Paul was so confident in his calling that he refused to let criticism crush the calling out of his life. He refused to allow a setback prevent him from a setup. He refused to allow what happened to him to define him. And one of the things that I'm learning personally, and one of the things that I've seen in ministry, and I say this all the time, but it's true, is people that walk around in vi as victims never walk in victory. Yes, you've been wounded. Yes, you've been wounded. Yes, you've been wounded, either by yourself or other people. But at some point, we have got to decide if we're going to let that define us or we're going to let it defeat us. Are we going to let it be part of our story or are we going to let that become our story? Because listen to me, if we let that become our story, we'll stay in prison for the rest of our lives, a prison we placed ourselves in. Are we going to let that define us or are we going to let it defeat us? Paul and Silas said, we're going to sing. We're going to sing. And then it got crazy, verse 26. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake. And, uh, there, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, let me mention something right here because it's in the text. This is probably another message for another time too. But did you know that sometimes the way we worship can set other people free. That, that, that's one of the reasons why we do praise and worship here in this church. Because sometimes the way that we worship can set other people free. I think that people in the world could get freed up if they could see busted up people with broken, busted up lives every single week getting together and singing to the God who ultimately set them free. See, I think that will make an incredible difference in the world. Sometimes. The way that we worship will absolutely set other people free. So that's in the text. I just wanted to say that. So they're praying. They're singing. Verse 27. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now, now some of you are like, like, whoa, that's a bit extreme. But in this society, in that time period, if you were a jailer, 
and the prisoners escaped, you paid for it with your life. And so this was kind of like a matter of pride. Dude was just going to kill himself. And watch this. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do? Look at this. What must I do to be saved? Paul, if you read on the rest of it, Paul wound up leading the jailer and his entire family to Jesus. What if? What if Paul bought into the idea of, I just can't do it. I'm wounded, therefore I'm worthless, and I'm going to sit here in this jail and lick my wounds and feel sorry for myself. I just just can't do it. What if Paul would have done that? If Paul would have done that, the prison doors would have never been opened. People wouldn't have been set free. And the jailer and his entire family never would have come to know Jesus. See, Paul knew, I'm wounded, but that doesn't mean I'm worthless. Not only does Paul have a strong ministry right here, but he goes on in Acts chapter 17 to Thessalonica. He goes on in chapter 18 to Corinth. Chapter 19, he's in Ephesus. And ultimately, by the end of the book of Acts, he takes the gospel to Rome. Today, we're here because this man named Paul decided to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Every time, don't miss this, every time he faced a setback, he knew it was a setup for a miracle. Let me, let me kind of close out like this. Let me say this. In my own life, I've had to buy into that idea I may have been wounded, but that doesn't mean I'm worthless. Yes, I've been wounded. Yes, that hurt. Yes, that situation sucked. Yes, that person did that to me. Yes, this happened over here. I'm wounded, but that does not mean that I'm worthless. And listen, if it's true for me, then it's true for you as well. Because the one thing I know about Jesus is in his time, he really does turn hurt into healing. In his time, He really does turn pain into progress. In his time, he really does turn confusion into understanding. And in his time, and I don't know how he does it, but he always seems to take the mess and turn it into a miracle. He did it in the Bible. He did it in my life. And if he hasn't done it in your life yet, if you'll just give him a chance, he will absolutely blow your mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. God, I just want to pray for every person right now that feels like life just isn't what we expected. Like we're in the middle of a situation where five years ago, if we would have looked at where we are now, we would have said, no way. But here we are. God, I pray that you'll just remind every person right now that Jesus, following you is always the right thing, even though it's not always the easy thing. And, and, and just because we're facing resistance doesn't mean that it's the devil. It, it, it could mean you, God. You're steering us in a different direction. And God, we thank you for that. And we ask that you show us and you, you push us into our next steps and, and you give us the boldness and the courage to take them, that we would listen, that we would, that we would seek and surrender to your voice, God, that we would put you first in all things. And God, we would understand that you called us to be a lot of things, but, but not safe. And, and, and God, that you would... That you would just help us. Help us to focus. Help us to, help us to love. Help us to be a light into the dark world. God, would you just right now speak into the hearts of people that for far too long have thought because 
they're wounded, they're worthless. That you were to remind them, Jesus, that you were wounded, but the Bible says that by your wounds, we are healed. May we step into that healing today. God, move in our lives. Move in our hearts. Draw us closer to you. Use us as you use Paul to go out into the world and preach the gospel. Help us to to honor you in all that we do as we seek to bring glory to your name. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that you have an incredible week. Go out and be a light into a dark world. Make the name of Jesus famous. Again, God bless you, and I'll see you all next weekend.